Chris, how's my how, how was my karate thing? Was that was was that bad? Was that too bad? I I took one karate class when I was five. So <laughs> did you I really never touched it? To, oh yeah, one class never went back. Okay, never well, ever hey, went man. back. I, I was that kid that when I was little, if my mom took me to a sports, there was a high chance that I would be done with it in a week. I just I hated sports when I was a kid. Hated them. Oh man, well it's it's not really yeah. a sport, is it? You're right, but there are sportsmanship aspects involved with it. It's a martial art. Ooh. So so w- w- so would you call it an art form? Not to be all jo- Oh, of course, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Not to be all jokey, Not to be too but... Joe Rogan on you, but uh, it is yeah. a martial art. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. If there's one thing I've learned about Joe Rogan, it's that not don't take gets... things too seriously and never ever insult martial. Try to go at it never when it comes to martial arts martial or arts. weed or weed. Don't forget that. That's that the, the other essential with him. That too. Oh <laughs> man, martial arts. But Chris, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm I'm doing good, man. How about yeah, yourself? We, well, we've been dealing with some big things, obviously, in our personal lives as well as the podcast. We were just on the guy at the film festival this past weekend. Had a lot of fun there. Had a lot of unexpected things come up, but we still had a blast watching Mortal Kombat. Good yeah. God, there are things in that movie that I will never forget. Um, I started a new job. You're back at school. We're busy. It's true. We're busy. We, we, Hence, the hustle never stops. All the calculators right down there. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> Pile how, of many, them. how many? How many? Figure Is out that four calculators. That's four. I got to figure out which ones work and which ones don't. Why do you have so, so many? Oh my god! Hey man, uh, failure to plan is uh, planning to fail. You're right, but I mean, I can usually suffice with one. But I mean, to each his own. But Chris, so remember how? I'm trying to think of another recent example of something that I took. Oh, so remember how last year I kept pushing you and pushing you and telling you, I'm like, dude, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do Watchmen. And then I did the same thing with you with rewatching Community. You know how I did that? I do. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Well, the good news is that you finally got me back. You finally got (laughs) me back. But I'll tell you why. If that's how you want to look at it. So adversarially. Because (laughs) because that's how life works. Life is a competition. Anybody who thinks otherwise is sleeping under a rock. But... Wow. Okay. Because it's not just you. You were not the only person that was telling me to watch this show. I had you right. and at least three other people telling me. They're like, "You gotta watch this show. You gotta watch the show. You gotta watch the show." And I kept telling. I had the same response to everybody. I'm like, "I don't give a shit about the Karate Kid. I never really cared that much about that movie. <laughs> Why? Like, stop trying to get me to watch this show." Because again, we talked at nauseum about it. There's too much content, and we really can't take anybody else's advice now because the algorithm feeds different content to different people based on their own individual tastes. But this right. was different because this wasn't. Because this isn't technically a Netflix original, not at least the two seasons that we have so far of this show. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. And so, Chris, what show are we talking about today? Well, Dom, today we are talking about the one, the only, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Or at least, in the case of the rules, midway through season two, a little mercy if, you know, your opponent is on the floor bleeding and dying. But we'll yeah, get into that. Talk People, about changes of heart, but let's yeah, not right? spoil too much off yeah, the back. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> uh, too much off the back. We're, we're going to get into this. There's a lot to talk about here. But people, of there course, really welcome is. back. Welcome back to the Talking TV podcast. I'm Dom. That's Chris. Chris, you make it so much easier when you put it on the side screen like that. That way I don't have to confuse the camera directions. We're the Talking TV <laughs> podcast. We are the halfway point between criticisms and collaboration. I got I got to come up with a better catchphrase than that. But hey man, production so, meeting on Thursday, a little inside baseball, but yeah, we'll get it done. Yeah. So, people, to say the least, it has been it's it's kind of interesting how the Karate Kid franchise is that one franchise that you would never think would be like a gigantic franchise, but the, when I went on to look at it, I'm like, yeah, I just realized the original movie had th- two sequels. One spinoff movie. There was the remake in 2010, yeah, 
and now it's got a show that is set in the same universe. Like the, the Karate Kid's got like kind of like its own like little mythos going on. I never realized it. I'm like all At just this about point. A, I'm like, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, all just about like a very simple coming of age story about a kid m- moving to a new area and dealing with bullies and dealing with karate. Like I don't know. Like if I could just get into my personal relationship with the Karate Kid movies, I watched them when I was a kid. My grandpa, and my dad loved them. I watched the first two. I'm like, okay, these are good. I don't think there's anything special about them, but they're good. I've seen this formula a million and a half times. Sure, the karate gimmick i guess is cool but other than that yeah the acting wasn't amazing i thought pat Morita as miyagi was the best and he got an oscar nomination for it rightfully so for that first yep. movie but other than that yeah like i i just never got it that, that was just one of those 80s franchises no wrong, i'll be the first person to admit, there's a lot of 80s stuff that i do like but I've got a very weird relationship with most stuff from the 80s. And that's just one of the, you know, you get the cult hits, you know, like, uh, you know, your your Labyrinths. That's got a huge, Labyrinths and Dark Crystals. Those two movies have huge, huge followings. Mm-hmm. Your never-ending stories, uh, your Highlanders, you know, a lot of those, like, weird alternative off-the-beaten-path kind of 80s things. And a few of those just, like, I just, I don't get the appeal for. Like, I don't get the appeal for Highlander. Labyrinth, I just thought was okay, so-so. I do love Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal is actually really great. But, yeah, Karate Kid was just one of those 80s things that I'm like it's fine but like I just don't get the appeal for it, you know but that's not at all the same as your relationship with this franchise is it Chris uh well Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid to me are very much so two completely different things as far as my personal taste and my history with them so all right but- well then I guess just talk about your relationship with the Karate Kid specifically first before we get into Cobra Kai yeah, so the first movie I loved when I was a little kid. I was all about like Rush Hour and, you know, pretty much anything Jackie Chan. And I wasn't allowed to watch Kill Bill when I was little, but I always wanted to. And I was just very much so into like the karate. And as a little kid, I, I really just appreciated like, and I still do, but I was super into like Asian culture as a little kid. I watched anime, all that type of stuff. So this was obviously like Americanized, but I was like seven, and I, it was there was karate in it. I was all about it, and so it just it falls under the general umbrella of like you know Asian culture and being borrowed and adaptations and all that type of stuff. And so I was all for it, and I watched this movie a lot when I was like really little, and then I kind of lost touch with it until Cobra Kai came out. I always remembered that the first two had a special place in my upbringing. Like there was um, one summer where my family sat me down and they're like, look, there are some important movies that you need to watch because these are things that people worked really hard for to make. And when you work hard for something, you can make something great happen. And they, they knew from an early age I was a little artistic, you know, so this was like a big thing for them and, and me. And so Karate Kid fell in, in that list of movies, along with the Rockies and the Godfathers and the Star Wars of the world, you know, just like classic, like American films. And so it kind of all started when I was little, but then I, I lost touch with it for like a long time because it is sort of like a very 80s and B, um, you know, better coming of age stories have come out since as far as writing and just being a little more modern less of the tropes of the 80s and it's it's pretty 80s heavy okay and everyone knows like the 80s has its own unique nostalgic feel but it's a little cheesy you know it's a little cheesy yeah. at a point in time it's like mr miyagi was great obviously rest in peace you know but it is just a little corny for for for, for that being said and i still love it but cobra yeah. kai man i watched this because i was a little bored and there was nothing really on, and I was like, whatever, I just got, you know, YouTube Premium, and this comes with it, and hey, I used to like the Karate Kid. What's the worst that can happen? I lose a half hour, and I don't go past episode one. But I quickly realized, like, whoa, 
there's a lot going on in this show. This show is more than just a surface level reprisal of like a, a, a cult, like not a cult, a famous 80s, uh, you know, uh, series. Uh, it's it's deeper It because it, it's modernized. It, it kind of like takes all of the uh, 80s tropes and they're still there. You know, uh, if we want to talk about the character of Johnny to start, he's he's a hair metal dude. He's he's driving an old 80s car. You know, he's he's still partying and drinking like he's in high school. But He's like a 50-year-old man in 2018 when we first yeah. meet him. And he's not PC. And he's a little raw and he's a little rough around the edges. And he's in this new world, which is a little softer and a little less cutthroat. And so you quickly realize that there's layers here. So I did grow up loving the Karate Kid. And I cannot wait to do a special Karate Kid event here on our channel in a few weeks. Because it's going to be a great way for me to jump back into my you know upbringing and, and my, my like childish love for that film. And explore it with my new eyes. But... Cobra Kai is something I very much so just love as its own thing. And as I rightfully so, I think it should be talked about as its own thing. It's not just like a fan service to like, you know, sell some t-shirts from an old movie that they had left over. You know, I think it's, I think it's stands on its own legs. Yeah. To start it's with. Definitely, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely interesting to say the least. So I guess if you want, we could jump right in to it. So Cobra Kai, Let's obviously, unlike the Karate Kid remake that was released in 2010, produced by Will Smith, starring his son, Jaden Smith, and uh, Jackie Chan, of course, as uh, Miyagi. Uh, was, was that even his name in Miyagi? doesn't matter. They've retconned that movie out of existence. But yeah, um, yeah. So, th so this series starts off with focusing on Johnny Lawrence, portrayed once again by William Zabka. William Zabka and Ralph Macchio both returned as producers, executive producers on this. The show was created by Josh Heel, John Hurwitz, and I forgot the third guy's name. Those guys have definitely been attached to other things that I've seen I've before. seen John Hurwitz's name before. I've seen bit. his name on a lot of things, different things. And so it opens up, and you have Johnny, who's like passed out in his hotel room, drunk. It's a mess. He's clearly taking jobs for money. He's clearly fallen very far. To quote Corey Coleman when he first reviewed the show, when I first saw the promo for the show, uh, he looks like everything that you would have wished would have happened to any one of those movie bullies. And it was interesting because a lot of the times bullies in movies have always been associated with psychopaths, with being like legitimately psychopaths. Like they act like a little bit like even more so than like, yeah, but bullies in real life wouldn't do that. And while that's a stigma that's largely been kind of um, kicked off by Stephen King. I feel like the Karate Kid also had a little bit of a hand in that. But the thing that I enjoy that this show does right off the bat is that I enjoy how it's not picking a side immediately. That's the first thing that I absolutely love about it is that it wants to take the past and kind of re-examine it from different perspectives and be like, did this happen the way that we remember it? And I guess that's where the appeal for me of the first season comes in because as we go on to see, Johnny, again, Things are just not working out for him. He has clearly not had a fun time. And besides being wildly and almost hilariously out of touch, it's a point that's used as a big reference, he's just he's trying to make ends meet. He's living in a crappy motel. And not to mention the fact that on top of having a shitty life, that all seemed to stem from that iconic loss in the tournament to Daniel all the way back in 84. On top of that, he, yeah. Daniel just is flooded in his face every chance he gets. Like, he, like Daniel's become a very successful car salesman. You know, he kind of worked his way up and became everything that he always wanted to be. Super rich, gorgeous-looking family, lives in, like, where do they live? Like, Beverly Hills or something like that? Like, they, they, uh, they, they're living uh, the good it's life. In, it's Encino. Encino, that's right. The point being is they're yeah. living the good life. And Johnny drives around. He sees his billboards. He sees his commercials. Of course, he's become like kind of like a little bit of a local legend ever since the, the win. And yeah, so Johnny is yeah. trying to escape it, and he just can't. 
And of course, what happens? He lives next door to a kid that's getting bullied. It's like you've seen you, you, you've seen the formula play out over and over, over for him. again. Yeah, d- complete deja vu for him, but not maybe in the way that we're thinking exactly. No, and of course, exactly. it ends up getting to the point where Johnny is, he sees this kid getting bullied outside a convenience store. Uh, they end up. It's funny because he doesn't actually interfere until they end up like almost trashing his car. I think, and then he's like, well, "Okay." They, they knock his I, pizza out of his hand. That's right. They knock his pizza out of his and hand. He, so then he's, he's like, "Okay." And he gets he gets pissed because he is. Quite quickly, we learn he's living paycheck to paycheck at, yeah. at the most. And so yeah, he definitely. needs he's that still slice like, of pizza. Yeah, remind me again, is he still driving around the same car that he's been driving like for, for since he was a kid? He is. Like, how, how he long is, has he yeah. had that? How long did he have that car for? They talk but about so anyway, that in the first episode. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so he ends up defending this kid, and 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 the kid sees his, the kid whose name is this uh, Ecuadorian kid named Miguel, and they make that very, very apparent. And he's like, whoa, oh my God, you're awesome. Could you please train me? He's like, no, ew, go away. And then, of course, what happens? He ends up having to take the, the the car, ends up getting hit. This is all in the first episode. The car ends up getting hit by a couple of girls, one of whom, as we later find out, turns out to be Daniel's oldest daughter, Samantha. And ends up, of course, the car gets brought to a LaRusso auto place. Daniel says, oh, sure, no problem. I'll help you fix it for free. Next thing you know, Johnny gets inspired, and he's like, screw it. I'm going to reopen Cobra Kai. And he does it, but... Oh my God! There's so much to break down here. Like, there's so much that I want to talk that I that I want to talk about as far as what the show does, as far as paying homage to the original, but also kind of generating its own thing. Because I think it's it's funny because you said the show does do its own thing and does generate its own mythos. I agree with that to an extent. I think that at first the flashbacks and which are just again stills and uses from the original film are used very well at certain points but then as time goes on i think it becomes a little little gratuitous and i'm like okay i get it you, you, you're, you're you're clearly in love with your own original thing you don't need to keep cutting back to it you know like I yeah get it, it does get a little annoying especially when get they a do little it in season two as well you're like season two right. to me was it's, it's, when i really started to notice it and i'm like it's at least okay. understandable in season one but yeah yeah the but, montages but, of the yeah yeah it is what it is yeah, it is what it is. But so I'll, I'll tell you what it is I love because I'm, I'm just being going to be upfront. I also don't like think se- that they do it as much as you're making it out to be. So they they there, do it. They do it at least once an episode. I thought. No, that is that is not true. Oh, they do I, I might have to go. I might have to first, go. They do it three episodes in the first season and they do it four in the second. That's it. Why did it feel like That's every it. other minute they were doing it then? And also, did you look that up, or or did you just know that off the top of your of your head? Well, I rewatched it before we. Uh, oh, okay. That makes in preparation. Sense. That makes episode. sense. No, you're right. Well, well, I, I sort of did that. I, I finished the show literally today, so that seeing works for out. Second, I pulled an avatar. Yeah, seeing I pulled it for you the second avatar. time in uh, in completion. Hey, man. Sometimes look, like you said at the top of this thing, we're living busy lives. But anyways, Dom, let's not divulge too much. Keep going. I was liking where you were heading with all this. But yeah, so my whole thing is that I liked the first season a lot more than the second season because for me, what the first season did was I'm like, okay, it kind of took everything that I really didn't care about in The Karate Kid and actually makes it interesting. It kind of radically changes your outlook on both Johnny and Daniel and gives them extra layers. And at first, for a little bit, get into that when I get into some of my problems with season two, it seems like, okay, they do actually have legitimate reason for their old rivalry being started. Because, of course, obviously, once Daniel finds out that Johnny is reopening Cobra Kai, it's like, all blazing red. He's like, oh, he hasn't changed a bit. Oh, he's just going to kind of inspire a new generation of bullies. And he doesn't at first. But again, one of the actually interesting points that I did like about season two is what I'm going to get into, which is how 
kind of, he unintentionally ends up inspiring a new batch of bullies, but from the least expected place. And that's actually one of the things that I really, really, really enjoyed about it. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Well, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, like, Daniel doesn't give uh, Johnny the benefit of the doubt at right. all. And so he kind of, even though Johnny's going through it when they first meet, even though Daniel does offer to fix his car after his daughter smashes into it, like you said, even after Daniel shows him hospitality, Daniel still has this snide, I beat you sense to him. This, this like, hey, well, look what I'm doing. I'm standing on top of this, like, iron throne and you're just like you know wearing ripped clothes and looking like you just came off of the street quite literally because he did and uh so even though he's being nice he's kind of rubbing it in and he also is uh quick to assume the worst the second he sees cobra kai's opened up he doesn't give yeah. johnny the benefit of the doubt at all so yeah i think it is justified from billy zabka johnny's standpoint you know yeah but that's what i like is that the show at first doesn't take a side it shows that kind of like more snide nature that daniel's got naturally you know he's living the good life he's literally on top of the world so he's got again ego is never justifiable to me in my opinion but you know he has that ego there i mean while johnny quickly shows that even though he is trying to turn his life around at first you know he hasn't changed one bit he is still like kind of again he's not pc friendly at all he openly uses terms that again are not acceptable like at all like very still blatantly racist and yeah ignorant. none of which like, he can say on youtube but this yeah. guy certainly is not uh 2018 friendly yeah not that's, at all that's for sure not Let alone 2020 friendly yeah not at all to <laughs> say the least but what's oh, interesting man. to me is how if anything again this is kind of something that i kind of admired the show for is that usually so much of the time whenever you have a character like that you always have every other character on the show telling you no you can't do that this is how you actually say this and the other characters really don't do that and they kind of just go along with it and i actually really kind of like that because i'm like okay so this actually again it, it, it's kind of the opposite of the cancel culture i'm like see cancel culture take notes this is how you do this you just get to know them and see their side of things that way you can maybe understand where they're coming from and then maybe you could start to work on their problems as you see to me at least in the relationship that's formed between Johnny and Miguel because Miguel obviously is no fool and he knows that again Johnny is may not be the best person but he also again he sees them as literally his savior and his mentor and in yeah, the he's relationship willing, that he's willing to take the good with the bad in that situation yeah definitely <laughs> but he also he also doesn't hold back when he needs to and obviously through as, Johnny as like, time goes on I, the growth of Miguel is one of my favorite things of this show yeah between both time. season one and two that's the one thing I will say is that even though they made some very cliche choices that you know I hate it's a reason why I hate some types of these of these movies and TV shows I really do enjoy to me like to me I think Miguel has the second best arc on the show after Johnny overall uh, we'll get into some of the other characters in, in a bit but, but Chris you know, real quick I just kind of oh sorry go ahead Dom no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was going to throw it over to you, so that works. Perfect. Yeah, I figured. I just wanted to hear like what your throw was going to be. Let, let's, let's hear what your throw was going to be. You know? No, I was just going to ask like what, <laughs> like what are your thoughts like kind of taking each because you watch both seasons back to back, right? Uh, both, yeah, twice now. Yeah, both back to back. And what's interesting to me is that at least about these first two seasons, is that obviously now that the show's on Netflix and the third season is going to be a Netflix original, nobody's ever going to remember at time where this wasn't on Netflix. And to people, this will just be a Netflix original. But the, the interesting yeah. thing about these two seasons is that these were not made with Netflix. They were made for, like you said, YouTube Premium. They're kind of their platform that they were going to do that they were doing original content for. That kind of just went away. I don't even know if they're still making stuff. Uh, yeah. Probably the reason why the third season of Cobra Kai is on Netflix. But what's interesting to me is that 
the first season did actually seem like it was trying to do something different. And it did feel like it was having, like, it was generating its own mythos. And it had that corn and it had those cheesy moments, as you said. And I heard a lot of other people saying it had some of those more cliched moments. But to me, the underlying theme was always so strong with the relationships that were formed and kind of what it was trying to go for that I was able to overlook some of the fault. But what was interesting to me was in season two, which is still YouTube Premium. I start. I don't know if this was just with the writing or the fact that they kind of knew that. Actually, no, this wouldn't have made sense because they made this long before they were ever going to get picked up by Netflix. But it yeah. started to feel more like a Netflix show, even though it was nowhere near close to being acquired by that. So I just find that something to be really interesting. And I just want to know if you picked up on any of that before you kind of get into some of your points on it. Yeah, no, I I, I didn't because I've uh, I followed a lot of the production of the show, the behind the scenes. Uh, Johnny's, uh, you know, Billy Zabka, um, Ralph Macchio, they're huge parts of not only being producers, you know, shelling out some cash for this thing to go, but they're also in the writer's room. And it's very much so like a creator-owned show in the truest sense. So I think if it does feel like a Netflix production to you, I think that's just happenstance because maybe they got renewed for season three. To, I think I looked it up earlier, one or two days after season two had dropped by YouTube yeah. red when YouTube red was still a thing. So it, it's kind of like, I think it's just happenstance and I think it's just the way that the show and the writing team grew together and, you know, to, Watch a documentary if you guys want to know the growth of a writer's room. We don't need to get into that right now, but I do kind of want to tackle what I think is interesting about this show. Aside from it just being a way to kind of give like a moment back to karate, which is something that was so a part of Hollywood and like, you know, even television with like, you know, Chuck, Chuck Norris, Texas Ranger, like he was a dude who was in those types of films. And and so like you had all these champions like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan in the past. And I feel like they've kind of gone away and we don't really have like a new guy doing like karate. Sure. We have like the John Wicks of the world and, you know, like all those types of dudes like the Kingsman's and like, you know, the, the Keanu Reeves and it's more action movie based now. And I feel like there's not really like that that karate title that's in the zeitgeist. So I kind of appreciate it for that alone because I've always been a fan of that type of thing. But what the thing I think the most interesting is is how they kind of show like just because you're woke and you're PC doesn't mean that someone who isn't is wrong he could be going through a terrible day in his life. He could, his every day of his life could be a terrible day in his life. Your worst day could be this guy's best day. So even though Johnny clearly is wrong about a lot of the things that he thinks and, 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 you know, acts upon, he just is trying his whole life to get afloat and get out from under the aftermath of, of quite literally being crushed by Daniel uh, LaRusso back in the day that he doesn't have time to really, you know, brush up on his politics or not offend someone because every day he is fighting to get this chip off of his shoulder. So I just think it's an interesting kind of like anti-hero approach to not only tackling the character outside of the political context, but tossing the political context of the modern day. It not only shows the growth of the villain, the character that we now know isn't really that bad of a guy as time goes on. He just was never misunderstood because the earlier films were through, through Daniel's eyes we could have just stayed in the mythos of the Karate Kid, but they chose to toss some light political context on it. And I think it's just a really cool way to say, like, again, he is wrong, but why don't we, instead of just, you know, kicking him and, and keeping him down for being wrong, why don't we at least try to open his eyes as to what the right way is? And then he has a choice once he is informed to, like, you know, to either change his ways or 
then he's choosing to be ignorant and choosing to be wrong. And I thought that was actually interesting because a lot of people are either super into politics or they're only a little into politics. And so it's it's like it's tough when you're only a little bit into it because it just constantly evolves and it constantly moves. And as we all know, Dom, adapting to our new schedule this week, it's tough to keep up with pretty much anything, let alone this podcast, which we love so much. So I thought that was just interesting, too. And the fact that they're, you know, kind of like at this point, they're the same exact age that they like were when, when they their characters ended in the show. They just did it so right. The time jump was done so right. And uh, so it's really cool to see the uh, the reflection of... Because obviously, guys, spoiler alert, each master sensei gets their student who is kind of like their embodiment of their younger years, and except they're both trying to do right by their students. So Daniel is trying to sort of let go of his prim and properness and, and being like, you know, perfect about everything. And Johnny's trying to like say, look, like, you don't always have to fight dirty. I know I said that, but I didn't mean it. I was angry. And so it's kind of cool how they're trying to learn through their students. So I just think like, the moral compass of the show, even though it is a little cheesy, it is, I guess, a little better than a CW show, but not, not. it's in the wheelhouse. I, yeah, I appreciate it for all that. You know what I'm saying, Dom? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And definitely, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because that literally di- directly leads me into, to me, I think one of the best elements of the show, which is the idea that just because, which, which, which is that just because the characters are trying to be better doesn't necessarily mean that they're going about it the right way. And as a result, you see that rub off on their students because the whole thing is that, to me, the best element, and this to me is an element that does carry over into season two, especially with once you see that guy standing between those two. Come oh, back, yeah. Crazy. That's why I chose back. this image. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think that one of the uh, pinnacle moments of the show is in the finale of season one where you see all of Johnny's students, a couple of them very radicalized, like Miguel is not the same person that he was at the beginning of the season. Eli, or as he becomes to know, Hawk, who, oh man, we'll get into talking about that kid, is not at all the same kid. And you see them, and yeah, they're, they've taken all the lessons that Johnny has taught them to heart, clearly, and it's very clearly radically changed them, but not necessarily for the best. And that's actually what I really, really like about it, is that it shows that there is a reason why, I guess, for lack of a better word, I can't believe I'm saying this, but to give a voice them there is a reason why so many people are making such a giant thing about not necessarily politics and why you get it correct so often but toxic masculinity because you see it rub off negatively on the younger on the lesson on the less informed on the more vulnerable and you see that it doesn't have a good effect because unfortunately as smug as daniel is Daniel, everything that Daniel was worried about with Cobra Kai does happen because Johnny does, especially and especially once Crease comes back, that ugh, that guy. Yeah. Um, you see that he did kind of unintentionally start a new generation of bullies, and that especially comes even more to a head in the season two finale. But and oh it's man, so we'll get into sad that too. It's so sad too because for the first time ever in Johnny's life. He's trying to do the right thing. He doesn't quite know how, but you can tell he's genuinely trying. And he is rough around the edges, but he's not trying to create a new generation of bullies. It's just that these young, impressionable minds and his rawness, his his kind of like old school mentality just don't go well together. 
And it's actually a yeah. really interesting dichotomy. Yeah, if you think about really, it, for it, this type it of show, really, especially, no, it to really, explore. really, especially for YouTube. Like, I was shocked. Yeah. Like, when yeah, the show man. was going that in depth, I was like, whoa. And the interesting thing, too, is that the same actually plays out in reverse. Because the whole thing is that, obviously, now this is a vastly different generation of bullies than it was back in the 80s. So, it, it, to me, it was kind of funny seeing those really dumb hipster kids. And I'm like, seeing, wait, those guys are the bullies. And I was kind of chuckling a little bit <laughs> yeah, until they started true. beating down on them. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. But I'm like, these guys are so pathetic because even when they're threatening, I'm like, well, not not those two. No, but these I'm are the, the main two. The first yeah, 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 it's one yeah. of the police yeah, two yeah, up at some yeah, point. Yeah, Miguel and Hawk. But I'm like, but I'm like the other two. But like the you know the bullies of the first season. And mm-hmm. It's funny because every time I saw them, you know, being bullies, I was just kind of chuckling because I'm like, I, I can't. I'm like, these guys are hipsters. I can't take yeah. these guys seriously as bullies. Yeah. But what I find interesting is how in the first season, before she kind of you know goes in her arc, uh, Daniel's daughter Samantha, who is becomes a big part of it was dating the lead bully, obviously. And, you know, again, the whole thing is that this guy appeared harmless. Like, he was such a dope. He was a doofus. He's Asian. He didn't even know, like, what, um, what's it called? He didn't even know what sashimi was, like, in that, in the scene where he's having daughter with Daniel, which is so tragic. man. That's tragic to me, just as a sushi lover in general, which I'm like, wow. I know, that killed me. I'm like, way to disrespect your own culture that way. But, I'm... Yeah, but again, like, and it leads to, but but again, even that's a little bit of red herring because again, it leads to again the first of many awesome moments in the show when Miguel takes what Johnny's taught him and candles all of those bullies easily and kicks the crap out of them to the point where they kind of like end up becoming the popular kids. But again, it's so funny because so much of the time. If this were like a CW or any other show, the show would just take them as like the heroes of the school and leave them at that. But no, this show, at least for the first season, actually goes the extra step further and shows, oh no, now they're at the top. Now they're at the top of the food chain. Now you're going to see how that power corrupts. And oh, it does. It does. And you especially see that once Miguel inevitably starts dating Samantha, which is cool. Again, that was the thing where I'm like, okay, his student, his daughter, when are they going to get together? But then you have the wild card that comes in, which is, of course, the third kind of storyline. So you've got the A storyline with Daniel and Johnny. You've got the B storyline with um, Miguel and Samantha, I would say. And then the C storyline to me, kind of the wild card that comes in and then kind of throws a kink in everything in order to jump up all these relationships is Johnny's son, uh, Robbie Keen, portrayed by Tanner Buchanan, who comes in. Uh, I don't remember, was it the second or third episode that he comes in? Or is he in the first episode? You know, that I don't know. But oh, he's man. early you season one. You just did one. the rewatch. He's in there early season one. <laughs> and you can just tell that like Johnny not having a role in this life has taken a bad yeah. effect. But it's not just Johnny, too, that I would like to add. It's that they don't make it solely Johnny's fault. And if anything, I think, while not, they, they do a good job of explaining why Johnny wasn't there without totally vilifying him. It shows that, no, his mom is just as much to blame. His mom is very clearly an addict, out with guys every other week, as you see later on, not paying the bills when she needs to. And he's clearly falling in with the wrong crowd. But what I find interesting about this character is that, besides the fact that he's got a Look, no, no offense to this guy, but he's got a look that just like makes me want to punch him in the face. I don't blame him at all for that, but he, he's just one of those characters that just look like you're like, come on, man. Like you, you would have so much potential to look so much better, but it's like cut your friggin' hair. Like nobody has that hair anymore. Yeah. So, but the thing that I like is that he what what he does at first as a means of getting back at his dad. By getting a job at LaRusso Auto, by at LaRusso Auto, ends up spawning into like this whole other thing where he ends up getting trained, of course, by Daniel and Miyagi Do. And then, of course, you have the inevitable soap opera moment at the end of the first season where it's like, oh my God, you were his son? You never told me? You know, that whole moment. That, yeah, that whole that's moment. That's so like, soap opera. That whole and that After an episode that was already pretty, like, you, like I said, the show does a pretty good job of balancing out the nostalgia with everything else. But that was the moment where I'm like, okay, that, that whole episode, they're reminiscing. And I'm like, of course, it's going to end with them making 
making peace. And then he's going to be in the studio and he's going to tell him that he's his son and it's going to all fall apart as per usual. But yeah. But and, and that was after the whole incident with the idiot cousin and almost destroying his and, car. And you but, know, we spoke about Miguel's progression. Let's also talk about you know Samantha Robbie's. and Robbie. Yeah, Samantha and all Robbie's. All these young yeah, characters, all of our young leads, even Hawk, who's like kind of a side character, they just do such a good job exploring yeah. each of these characters. And when you meet them, for better or for worse, with season two, I have my thoughts about season two as well. They are completely different people and they at least have been through justifiable journeys. It wasn't just like, ooh, yes. well, they have to get from point A to point B. It's like, no, let's make it compelling. Even if you don't like it, there it at least makes sense and it's at least thought out. And it's not like we have 23, 24-year-olds who look on the younger side playing these kids. These are literally kids who were playing act like their age for the most part it's very impressive to me yeah to be for honest the most with part, you very, like, very impressive yeah especially not so to side now, to, I not guess... to side throw you there i just i think people got to understand that like some of the reason why the show is a little rough is because like these kids are literally the ages that they're playing for the most part right and, that and impresses if anything me. if anything that that does impress me a lot because again i do feel like i'm legitimately watching kids again i still have to get behind the fact that most of these kids were born after 99 which is insane to me but <laughs> welcome uh, to my uh, life dom yeah right i was about to say you gotta feel like weirder than me but the so i guess if we could jump into the finale of season one and sure. then into season two so the so finale again season one ends very much how you would expect at the all valley tournament but again the finale of season one again what i think it does very very well is that it shows on both sides that yeah johnny may not have necessarily taught the students the lessons that he would have wanted to and daniel also also again may have accomplished what johnny didn't and again johnny gives a very again i'm not gonna say good reason but he gives a justifiable reason not to me that i would ever think that missing the birth of your kid is ever a justifiable reason in any way shape or form yeah and but but and, and, but the point being is that i know what and you mean to top yeah and to top it all off as if that wasn't enough as if miguel and hawk because starting to become like more like aggressive aggro males wasn't already bad enough. Then you got pull up the picture of him. You know who I'm talking about. Then you get this motherfucker who comes back in in the finale of season one, seemingly out of nowhere in the shadows. I'm black trench I'm coat. You keep talking, smoking the cigar. <laughs> he literally walks in. I'm like, Jesus, did this guy just like? Gets stuck in an 80s, like, Mickey Rourke, Eric Roberts action movie and then just Dude, never leave it. Totally I feel like he did. I feel oh like he totally did. God, yeah, and that would, of course, hilarious. be... Keep filling yeah. it. I almost have the image up, Dom. No, but, uh, yeah, the, the point <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to say, because you're, you're, you're taking too long. God damn it. Um, yeah, Martin Coves. Does he have the same first name in the show? Martin... Uh, no, yeah, Martin Coves, John Kreese, right? Yeah, that's what you see. Yeah, Martin Coves, John Kreese. Yeah, and yeah. it's funny because I love how... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this was the show's intention to try and get you to fall for this guy and see if he was ever going to actually change his leaf. But the show very clearly, to me at least, was like, yeah, no, this guy is the true bad guy here. You know, they, they did a lot of interesting stuff with Johnny in the first season where they showed his backstory and showed, oh, maybe Johnny's childhood wasn't as, you know, pristine as he made it out to be, you know, with obviously his stepdad and everything. But then once this guy comes in, you're like, oh, man. And Johnny kicked the tries to beat him, tries to fight him. And that doesn't work. And then this guy ends up worming his way right back in and starts to infect Cobra Kai from the ground up and it starts to infect everything. But as much as Crease to me is kind of 
a, a shadow overhanging the entire second season. I do also have to say that, again, this is a little bit of a low point for Daniel because Daniel starts to, let, as, as said by his wife, a little bit. And I also have to give pro major, major props to the wife, too, because that that is a character that could have so easily fallen into the nagging wife category. But to me, she always has a justifiable reason, and she is always like a very relatable, very interesting character. So I do have to give them major props for that, yeah, too. Yeah, if anything, I think she further helps to inform the growth of Daniel as a person and why he's Absolutely. so successful. He chose like a viable partner and yeah, it just, it's, yeah. yeah, you're totally right. Good not observation, to man. Not to mention the fact that she's she's also works really well as like kind of like this mini commentary of like, oh yeah, you guys are 50 years old and you still are continuing a rivalry that you had when you were teenagers. Okay, I love that's not, that, dude. That's, I'm like, that's not pathetic <laughs> at all. And I was just always chuckling. Like whenever she yeah. brought that up, I was, I, that always gave me a good chuckle. But, the cheese, the good cheese, you know? Exactly. Yeah, but so... I guess if anything, yeah, Daniel, the season two is also a little bit of a blight on Daniel because Daniel reopens Miyagi-Do, as he says, and it starts to interfere with the rest of his life. It starts to interfere with his parental duties. It starts to interfere with his professional duties. And yeah, it's it, it, it's certainly interesting because you've got Kreese now infecting and warming his way into Johnny's students. You've got Daniel, everything that's going on with there. Then you've also got a little bit of a new catalyst that comes in with the Tory character, the Peyton List character, which that was insane seeing her because I don't think I've seen her in anything since Jesse and needless to say that girl grew up but she comes in and she's very clearly the bad girl and she's kind of like the new coin that's thrown in to the three-way you know little love triangle that you've got going on between Miguel Samantha and Robbie but then so so there's that and that character like I said I'll get into your thoughts on that character in a little bit because I've got some thoughts on her but then to add insult to all that you have a fallout between Eli and his friend their friend Dimitri who, as you see, tried to do karate multiple times, but that's another kid. I'm sorry. I know what they're trying to go for, but that kid is so fucking annoying, and I kept waiting for somebody to put... Not gonna lie, that was one of the most satisfying moments to me when <laughs> when he does the thing to crease his tattoo, and next thing you know, you just see him running out of the studio with like a bloody nose. I'm like, oh man, I, I know what they're trying to do, but thank God, this kid just needs to get the crap knocked out of him. And Yeah, sometimes it's like that, you know, yeah, especially definitely. with these young punks we're dealing with. Yeah, to say the least. So I don't know if it was a writing thing. Maybe it was just because I wasn't a fan of the overall negative direction. Like, if anything, I'm glad that they went with it and showed that, like, yeah, the toxic masculinity, especially now that Crease is back, is getting really, really bad now. But especially, obviously, once it shows that, you know, specifically with this Tory character and everything, how she's just like, oh, I'm poor and my mom had to like bring home leftovers for us and she got fired so as a result like us not being rich just gives us an excuse to be shitty you know and like that girl is that that, that girl is not a good character she is yeah she is not a good character at all so this kind of becomes the backdrop for season two yeah. and i, I think will this say image that, on the screen right now is pretty much yeah. the entire backdrop yeah. of season two yeah. you know and what i will say is that as much as i do enjoy them going for the angle I felt like there were certain points where the corniness and the soap opera-iness of it started to get a little bit annoying for me. And there were points where Daniel was starting to get a little bit exposition-y with the constant lessons. And there were certain points where, like, okay, you're just repeating this. And there were certain points where it's like, okay, I know that Johnny is not going to understand um, what's called. Yeah. It, it, John, obviously, it's part of Johnny's arc that he doesn't see through Creasy's line of bullshit. But even that, to me, stretched out a little bit long. And I'm like, okay, I, I think how they dealt with it was interesting. And Crease to me started to feel a little bit too much of like a comic book villain at points. Like at the very least, which will, but like he did feel like a human being at the end of, in, in the original movies. But in this show, he, he feels like something right out of a cartoon. I'm like, okay, are you even a real person at points? Not at first, but as time goes on. And then. Yeah, but listen, let me just interject a few points here before we get too far off from yeah. them, all right? 
I, I think I can see where you're coming from as someone who isn't admittedly the biggest fan of the movies or doesn't at least have some nostalgia attached to them because while there is homage in season one, and I still think it's only homage in season two, I do think you know someone who is kind of only invested in the Cobra Kai story and doesn't really care about what happened in 1980 could consider it a little exposition-y because it does run on for a little long thinking of those scenes yeah. where you know yeah. uh you know uh Daniel's training Sam and Johnny's kid in the backyard and they're sparring and it's just you know we get it you're the new Miyagi and you have to do it and okay yeah 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 we get it and with Kreese though I think it was supposed to be predictable because I think the whole thing is even though Johnny for once is doing something at least from his perspective, someone who, as we said, doesn't have the best moral compass is doing something from the heart and at least as 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 straight and narrow as he can, it just goes to show how how simple minded he is and and also not not even simple minded i I think that was the wrong word. I think I want to actually you know roll that back and say. Just how how even though he is starting to let the pass go, it still very much so controls him. And so he instantly, once Kreese shows up, he's like, I need to get the respect of my old teacher back. Like, I'm still stuck yeah. in 1980. I'm still stuck with Daniel Beluso towering over me, you know, in the All-Valley competition. I'm still stuck back then, even though we're both adults now. And, and this is my yeah. dojo now. I, I'm still trying to redeem my, my glory days. And so I think that... Yeah takes it a little bit deeper than what you're saying, but I also see how that's thin and how really without the kids having so much progression in this season, if it was just the adults, it would be a pretty terrible soap opera. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, like the the adult stuff to me was the weakest part. And while I liked what the kids were doing and I like what they stand for, I still wasn't the biggest fan of some of the characterizations of them. Like I said, very teeny boppy, very soap opera ish, where it's like, why it aren't you talking to me? You know, all that. But and I do like, gotta say that one scene it. where Crease is like having them like you know dig and flip the tires and do all that stuff, and it's like kind of illegal and all that. Like that to me shows that like. Okay, well, Johnny has a choice here. So I think they did everything right. It's just like it right. was a generic, it was a generic plot line. Like we've seen right. it all before. It may have been a right. It may have been a situation where the kind of the genericness of it was, it, like I said, to me, the first season did a really good balance between. I agree. Maintaining its tone with the homage in order to generate something new. This season was when it started to fall a little bit out of balance. But like I said, that doesn't mean that this season didn't have a lot of good stuff in it. I still think that to me, besides Johnny, again, bringing in Kreese, I think that even though I may not have necessarily liked what they did with him, I still think it was essential to Johnny's arc, um, especially when you see him get back together with his old boys in that episode, which... that, that, that That was a charming episode. I liked that episode where he gets back together with his old buddies. But... On top of that, you also see how now with Crease is really starting to affect things with the students because while Miguel might be having some moral quandaries and troubles with the fact that he has to, um, what's it called, with the whole no mercy thing and starting to relive things because obviously he's still pining over Samantha and now with Torian, Hawk is all in and Hawk like, dude, that kid goes from being like a pretty sympathetic character the first season to like being almost like a straight up sociopath. Like, Yo, that kid for is, real, dude. Like he, he, he freaking like gang ambushes his friend in the mall. He trashes Miyagi though. He starts acting like a total aggro bro and I'm like, Dude, all you got was a mohawk and an eagle tattoo on your back, yeah. and now you're like the power goes the, to I'm his like, head, man. It clearly does, and it, it it gets bad. Like there's a point, like that scene where um where him and where him and Miguel are fighting in the woods uh, with, for for the headbands and that thing. Also, real quick, I just want to give a quick shout out to Paul Walter Hauser, uh, Richard Jewell himself in that season as uh what what, what was his nickname that guy. 
I'm not. Uh, I'm not remembering that off the top of my head. Yeah. Let me pull it up. Did you know that? Did you Did you know that that was the same guy who was Richard Jewell? I didn't pick up on that. Oh yeah, man. it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Oh, he you was always great. Have that, yeah, you always have that giddy little reaction whenever you whenever you see whenever I reveal something that you didn't know. But yeah, no, oh, Paul wow, Walter Hauser, yeah. I really really liked. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. Okay, he he really took on there the character though. Yeah, no, I, I liked him in this show a lot. I liked, I, I really, really liked him. I thought that bit where he was hiding in the dirt and then popped up and took the headband. I'm like, okay, that's actually pretty. Yeah, great. I love how he like, like doesn't, he like doesn't understand that he's like, but he still becomes badass, you know. But he doesn't yeah, understand he does. at first that like, hey right. man, like no one really wants you here. He's just so clueless and charming yeah, in that but, sense. There were some good yeah. cast additions, but I also think that this show kind of added a little too much for its own good in this season. Like it, it got a little bit yeah. away from the basics, and so I think it kind of lost itself. And when you add more characters, and especially with how deep they like to explore the characters, like I keep saying, believe it or not, with Cobra Kai, yeah, like like there were two side characters that joined Cobra Kai, and then one ended up going to Miyagi Do, and one stayed at Cobra Kai, and that one, and like they 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 had like a little bit of like a resolve moment in the end. But I'm like, I mean, yeah, Paul Walterhauser, we barely got to know you. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'd say, not 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 that he was like the gag. But, like, he was kind of, like, you know, like, one of the more jokey trope-type characters, but still, yeah. like, you did introduce a new character. And so I think a lot of the reasons to me why season two suffers is is more so time management and figuring out how to handle... You think so? I think so, because I still like the characters a lot, and I don't hate yeah. their choices. I just think yeah. it, it was doing really well. It was the first and only hit from YouTube Red, so I feel like there's got to be some pressure there as well. And pretty sure only ever hit. Yeah. If, if, if their future is to be, assumed, I'm pretty sure it's done know. now. So here he is. Yeah. Here's pretty the, sure. I, look, he looks so different yep. than Richard Jewell. Side. No, yeah, I didn't even yeah, pick up. Yeah, I know. On that, that's what but, I mean. Um, that's that. That's the guy. That's yeah, Paul Walter House. But what do you think? Originally supposed like, to be the Penguin. Do you think that's me I loving think, it too much and making an excuse that it? Was, I will or? definitely admit, be only because you did call me out on this a lot in Project Power. You know, we definitely have talked about this a lot. That you know, our nostalgia love of something will sometimes blind us to the quality but I'll you know but I'll be the first person to admit again I'm completely I don't care I understand that those Transformers movies are terrible but I love every single one of them but that, that that's a different thing but I will certainly admit I've let my nostalgia blind me to the quality of certain things before <coughs> Stranger Things <coughs> but um, the one thing that I will say <laughs> is that as problematic as season 2 did get it ended in quite possibly one of the greatest finales I've ever seen because as horse shitty and a soap opera e as the buildup was to that final fight. When when when, when they said when we, when we got that rumble, oh man, we got that rumble, and they did not hold back. And Chris, I don't know about you, but that's that fight is my favorite moment of the show. Like when we're off this podcast, I'm gonna go back and rewatch that moment. That's how freaking awesome it was, D dude. I mean, I I saw a lot of people say this, and I still kind of stand by it. I think without that fight, there's only so much level characters can can do to make up for poorer writing in my opinion season two had much yeah. poorer writing than Absolutely. season one and and more tropes that aren't as forgivable as the ones in season one so yeah man that was a finale for was, the ages that was how you do a goddamn i'm glad finale. you like, like that I tom i really yeah, am i don't glad. know what it is because <laughs> yeah, i was nervous about it 
yeah, 2019, with the exception of Game of Thrones to me, was a year that had a lot of great just season finale. Like, you had the Succession Season 2 finale on the yacht. Obviously, the Watchmen finale. Um, the Barry Season 2 finale, which was insane. You know, like, a, a lot of really, really good finales. But this one, like, uh, th this one is just the next in a long line of it. And god damn, they did not hold back, like, how it starts off. And I felt like I was watching World War One, where it's like all the pieces are falling <laughs> into place. And I'm like oh, man, it's about to be war. And then you see, like, you see Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do with everything that Daniel and Johnny didn't want because they said in the episode before, Johnny said, Kreese is the one that always wanted war. I have no desire. I don't want a conflict of any kind. But needless to say... Uh, and you, you could literally say that it has all been building to there because I yeah. I didn't because th the whole thing that I was thinking I'm like okay obviously if season one ended with the All Valley thing they can't do the same thing and I think that it was it was a great way to show kind of how how far the characters have come and where they are now and how this was kind of the only way to resolve it because obviously the Tory character the Peyton List character, she's only capable of resolving things one way, and she had her little rivalry going on with Samantha, and even though it wasn't as focused on, Miguel definitely had a thing against Robbie, because he kind of viewed Robbie as the guy that took him away from the, took away his girl, even though Sam kind of was already kind of starting that away train for Miguel. Which, which uh, I think he did to one. himself, to be honest with you. He just didn't... Who, Robbie? No, Oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, Miguel he absolutely was just did too, to like you, like you keep saying, too, like, hopped up on his own power that he just didn't realize that, like, he was getting so far away from everything that he wanted to become. Yeah, definitely. And it, it all comes to, to, to a culmination. And obviously the whole thing with Eli and Dimitri, where Dimitri, as part of the fact that, yeah, Eli, you're not the same kid that I was friends with. And he makes that, uh, uh, what's it called, wedding to bed speech beforehand. And Eli's like, oh, you're dead. And then Dimitri... Finally, after a season where it felt like they were trolling us with how bad Dimitri was in karate, right. like he finally actually learns to fight back and, and takes down his old friend. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking because, again, even as, with as much of a sociopath as that kid became, I still really liked Hawk and what they did with him, Eli. Yeah. And then, oh, and I still love that this is a bit that they were able to throw in, but when Paul Walter Hauser is interviewing for the... For, for the um, for, for the security guard position and then was like oh don't worry i got this he comes in but he only starts taking out the miyagi do kids i love that i thought that was his and then he like fist bumps the, the one cobra kai get i love yeah. that but yeah, that was yeah it was a rumble and i loved how like they had like their own mini fights you know sam versus tori robbie versus miguel eli versus um dimitri and it all worked out really well and they, they, they did not hold back when it came to showing like the, the results of that fight like it was not a winner takes all thing and it showed that like the the blame didn't necessarily come from where you would think because as it shows Miguel showed Robbie mercy and we we saw what happened after that the king freaking gets picked up and chucked off a balcony and like it's a what like he got like a spinal fracture and was put in a coma and Sam gets the shit beat out of her but I think she still manages to get the drop on Tori but I was like oh man like Wait, wait, wait! I'll raise the stakes for the next season. I know, and it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of this episode, where it's like, you know, the the villains might not be as crystal clear as you think they are. Yeah. Th this show, yeah. for all that it is, and that whole fight scene, the breaking off into the one on one fights. I mean, that's very tropey, but that's like good cheese. Right. You know, that's like the yeah. kind of cheese you yeah. like. And the choreography too, I got to say, is amazing in the show for the, how is, low yeah. of a budget they have, and it's very clearly a low budget. I am impressed with the, with the choreography involved with all the actors and the stunt coordinators and the stuntmen if there are any and again you got to take into account that these are young young actors for the most part yeah. and uh yeah so it's very impressive but dude i, I do got to say like you know miyagi Do, 
doesn't look too good going into season no, three. It doesn't. And, and who no, really it doesn't. is? And neither does neither does Cobra Kai for that matter, though. Well, I'm talking about morally, but physically, Cobra Kai is not looking too good either. Yeah. And who really yeah. is like the the voice of reason in this show? Is There's there so any much left? pettiness and so much hatred going on that it's? See, I love the ambiguity, the ambiguity yeah. here of uh, of yeah. the the tone and of the perspectives and of the the good natureness or lack thereof it just makes it yeah. so interesting and it kind of forgives season two because what i think we're going to get in season three is going to be so worthy of unpacking where we left off i think they saved the season is what i'm trying to say yeah fingers or, crossed assuming of course that assuming of course that netflix doesn't fuck it up like they do most things well, but well, actually just so you know and correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that this show was bought and paid for by youtube netflix covered the production cost they're releasing season three which was shot by youtube red on netflix but netflix is going to fund season four if it goes oh okay i didn't know so that this is, i didn't know that this is we're gonna get the true vision here the true right, payoff right, of season right. two yeah all right. So in that case, I mean, I guess it's interesting that you say uh, kind of now with, with there being a lot of pettiness on both sides and you don't know if this conflict can ever be resolved. I find it interesting that they chose the, to make the closing shot of the, se of the season um, Allie, the Elizabeth Shue character from the original, accepting the friend request, which means that, look, they brought back Randy Heller as the mom. They brought back Martin Cove. You, you know Elizabeth Shue is coming back for season three. Like, Ralph Macchio pretty strongly hinted at it. You, you, again, she was only on one season of The Boys, and we all saw what happened to her there. But, uh, was, you know, baked by Homelander. But, um, yeah, she, she's coming back for season three, most definitely. I'm all for so, it, I guess with with that being said, I uh, I think I'm gonna have to wrap it up now. But the last thing that I wanted to point out, which I think is really interesting, is again to me in kind of its weird quest to pay homage to the Karate Kid, but also do its own thing. The show kind of stumbled into a thing that I noticed with another karate involved thing, which is the idea of toxic masculinity. Because as you if you remember, uh, our good friend Pat Huber. One of his choices for his top 10 best movies of last year was The Art of Self-Defense, which I still haven't seen that movie, but from what I've read about it, it deals with a very, very similar scenario, ironically enough, to the show, which is where kind of geeky, nerdy kid gets beat up, wants to learn how to toughen himself up, joins a karate dojo, ends up solving kind of this issue of toxic masculinity that's involved with said karate dojo. And it's almost kind of the same thing here, obviously, albeit done very differently. So I guess the last point that I wanted to bring up before we got out of here was... What is it with karate things and dealing with toxic masculinity? Like, is that just like a thing that we're going to see now with like every new karate thing? Like, is that just like a thing that was always there and they're just tackling it now because it's 2020 and everyone's woke? Like, did I miss something here or? Look, I think it's a sign of the times always going forward in media. I think that's something we're just all going to have to accept. And I mean, I, I personally don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But what I will say Me is, neither, uh, no, yeah, I know you don't. I'm just saying, like, in general speaking, like, sometimes it does get a little heavy. And so I do enjoy how Karate Kid, uh, Karate Kid, Cobra Kai kind of chooses to use, like I said at the top of this thing, Johnny as a way to say, like, okay, but we should hear someone out sometimes, too. But I think karate for so long had been a boys club, in a sense, like in film and in, you know, television. And I mean... You know, you took karate classes when you were a little kid. Was there for one day, one day? I mean, for literally one day? And I don't remember anything. From okay. it. I don't remember a single thing. I was not there long enough in order to be able to comment on the inner workings. I would have to talk to some of my contacts that I know did karate for years. And so I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of like tackling that where it's like we see that a lot going on right now with sports. You know, people complain that like, why is the WNBA not as popular as the NBA? And things like that nature, just trying to like give equal voices. But I think Karate Kid, if there was 
any or, or karate sorry if there was any i guess it's artistic but it's also combative so it's like a half sport half art thing in my opinion someone who's not like a joe rogan like well versed in the mma world i think it can be perceived as a bit of a boys club so if you're talking about Hollywood and and where Hollywood's moral compass is at right now, it kind of makes sense that they would take this angle for it, which is why I so much so, again, got to double down on appreciating Cobra Kai saying like, look, give someone the benefit of the doubt until they prove you wrong, but at least try yes. and inform them why they're being wrong. And then if they choose to still be wrong, well, then you did all you could and it's on them. Yep, so pretty I don't much. Know, does that answer what you're saying? Because it's tough. It's tough. A little to bit. Back that. A little bit, no, it, it definitely is, but I just felt like it was a worthy question is, yeah. uh, to bring up, especially considering that this theme has now popped up in not one but two th- very similar-minded, you know, properties. So I just found that really and interesting. the more so recent with that ones. being, yeah, very recent too. So I guess with that being said, uh, my final thoughts on this are: Cobra Kai is not a show that I ever, ever thought I was going to like in any way, shape, or form. As you guys know, I fought watching it i'm like i don't give a shit about the karate kid why the fuck am i gonna care about some dumb show about them 30 years later i'm like they're i'm like great they're 50 years old and they're still fighting like who cares you know but i gotta say that as corny and a soap opera as it got i did very very much enjoy cobra kai at the worst it's a quick it's another quick binge that you could just throw on in the background at best it's another thing that you think would be pretty disposable like 90 like 99.9 percent of netflix's other content but if you watch it there and you're you'll get something out of it and for those diehard fans of the karate kids oh man you guys are you got you guys are gonna go gaga for this it's funny because this is probably one of the only times i'm ever gonna do this but i have to rank the two seasons differently because we don't have enough yet i feel like to rank the show overall so i'm giving season one four stars and i'm giving season two three and a half it very easily okay. could have been a three, but that last fight, that last fight saved I was going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah. That so, last fight, I'm telling you, dude, like, I was this close. I'm like, th- I'm like, if this fight that I've been hearing about is not as good as they said it was, but it was, <laughs> it was every bit as good and better. Good. I'm glad, man. So I got to ask you two things, all right? Yeah. Are you planning on sticking with the show? Yeah, I'll stick with the show because I do. I am legitimately interested to see where they go okay. with season three. And it's, it, at this point, it's a matter of will the soap opera Netflixy sensibilities of the show annoy me more than than what I'm able to take away of interest from the story. I guess is 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 the contest now that we are in. Gotcha. And I got to ask you this too because this was kind of like my beating down your doorstep day in and day out to watch it type thing. Yeah. Was it worth the watch or did it feel like homework in a sense? No, I would say it was it was a very quick binge. I, it's funny because I was worried that this was going to feel like homework and that this was gonna be a stretch. But no, I got I got this whole thing over within like four days. If anything, I just I just again if if I didn't if I hadn't started my new job, I would have gotten it done with quicker. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I just you know I, that's just more so me feeling bad that I, I was know. like, Tom, you gotta watch this, <laughs> dude. I've done that to you how many oh, times man. now? Don't feel bad. Fair enough. Anyways, Chris, your final thoughts? Yeah, my final thoughts are: uh, look, the show's not perfect, but if you go into it thinking it's going to be perfect well then you're going to be sorely mistaken but yeah if you go and thinking anything's perfect now that's kind of on you that is a hundred percent on you but again i think like we dom and i have said this show is more than it meets the eye uh that's a little nod to our transformer episode which not enough of you yeah. guys have listened to but we had a really Seriously, great go conversation listen to that episode. one of our funniest I moments I listed like 20 different amazingly stupid things about the Michael Bay movies. Exactly. Don't listen to it Go for check that, that out. Alone. The Netflix Transformers miniseries we covered this year. But yeah, the show is more than meets the eye. And it just does such a good job of sort of taking 
everyone's sides of a both the political landscape and the characters and giving them a voice and kind of like saying to the audience, okay, well, you figure out who's right and wrong because clearly these characters can't do it for themselves. And I think that's interesting and that's something that I kind of haven't seen even some of like the more bigger budget shows do. Watchmen's one of the only ones that really comes to mind that challenged my thought process as much as Cobra Kai, so it's absurd to think that like Cobra Kai can even be mentioned along with Watchmen in regards to like the morality of it all, but it's it's it doesn't do a bad job of leaving you with uh, something to think about. So, yeah, I mean, I think I got to do the same thing Dom did. So, season 1, I'm going to go with 4.5 out of five and I think I'm going to be right there with you Dom I think season two is 3.5 because it was a yep. little schlocky it was a little yeah tough to get through it definitely and, was the point where the soap opera elements really started to rear their ugly head yeah and I was like oh god and I was starting to be that I was starting to be that watcher I was like this is gonna happen this is gonna happen I was just kind of like starting to get to the point where I was making fun of it as I was watching it and I'm like oh no I don't want to get to that point yeah but hey guys we will be covering season three and I'm yes, very excited when it eventually about drops that. sometime. Supposedly, like I said, I haven't seen any heard any no. promos of this, but I think it's supposed to be dropping sometime in like the October, November. I know they didn't want to release it immediately because they wanted obviously eyes on the first two seasons, you know, or make sure. And like I said, it's again continuing with how Netflix is, has been working this year. Again, it worked for Community, it worked for Avatar, and it looks to be working with Cobra Kai. And that's so, just Netflix for you. So, yep, that is Netflix for and you. And also, so, with we that, will be hosting a Karate Kid watch along. And more yes. info will be coming on that soon. That's all I can tell you. Most definitely. But yes, it's, stay tuned. Keep your eyes peeled. I hate to do that, but this is such a niche topic that I think like whoever's listening to this is going to go for the Karate Kid watch long. So we might as well tell yeah. them while they're here. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. We should. So people, once again, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Talking TV. I'm Dom, the movie nerd. That's Chris, the TV nerd. We release content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Chris has j Chris just put out, by the time this episode will be released, Chris just put out a new episode in his recap series covering Lovecraft Country on HBO, mm -hmm. covering episode three. Chris, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. It's going to be very interesting, continuing in my very rocky relationship so far <laughs> with that show. Uh, what's it called? We've got a lot of, let's just say that certain theaters might be opening around us so we might actually be able to go and see some new movies so you might see some new reviews for movies that were released in theaters coming out soon so just I stay wonder tuned what for movies that. those and, uh, could be Oh, yeah. Big, very suspenseful as far as what they could be. But yeah, guys, uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Talking TV, no G, on both Facebook and Instagram, if you didn't hear that. Again, new content every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Chris, do you have anything you want to leave the good people with? Well, I want to tell them that even though you are here right now watching the video... If you're not here, though, on video form and you're here in audio form, A, what are you doing? Because our YouTube channel is just absolutely popping off. And B, if you're on YouTube, have you subscribed yet? Have you clicked on the channel like I just did? Have you come over to the subscribe button? Have you clicked it? And have you turned on that bell for notifications? Because if you haven't, please do so. It would really help us out. Should and we'd so. really appreciate it. We're at 81 subscribers. We have 19 left and before we get to 100. Seriously, look at all of this content we do. Just go to videos. We cover everything from Avatar to uh, Community Palm Springs and not and not, and not much Marvel. else. We we covered comedy. We covered Netflix. I mean, we did a whole geez, series on guys. Marvel. Look at Chris. Scroll to the Community video. Look at how many views that stupid Community top 10 list that I kind of did half as a joke. You missed it. That I kind of did half as a joke. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll go down uh, to our most popular, which you guys can oh, do yes. on YouTube. Let me pull this down here. I'm terrible at screen capping. 
<laughs> oh no, I'm failing. Okay, yeah, most popular. And and look at this video that Dom yeah. got us. Almost 300, almost 300 reviews. I did that video That's half, crazy, half joking. I did that video half joking. But anyways, people, seriously, go give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Click the bell. And that way you get notified for all new content. It means a lot. Guys. And as always, people, at the, at the end of the day, it's only about one thing and one thing only. Watch more fucking movies and TV.